Hello and welcome to Read This Fucking Book, episode 13, Uprooted. I'm Rachel. I'm Elena. Today we are reading Uprooted by Naomi Novik. Uh, This is a book that I have recommended to Elena, so I'm the reader and Elena is new. Uh, Uprooted was published in 2015, so yay, we're basically contemporaneous. We're not, we're out of the 80s. Um, although Sunshine, our last episode was also like what? Yeah, like that was like 2005. 2005. Yeah, or 2003 yeah. maybe. I don't know, somewhere yeah. in there. Um, but we have been stuck in the 80s for a while, <laughs> but it's fine. Um, it's actually a very well-regarded book, so go me for the recommendation. I didn't know this. <laughs> I looked up the. I was like, oh yeah, let's look up like to see if it got any awards. I'm like, oh, it has the 2016 Nebula Award for best novel, and also the 2016 the 2016 Locus Award for best fantasy novel, and then it was also nominated for an award that we keep seeing pop up in our recommendations, the Mythopaic Award uh, in adult I've noticed literature. That- and yeah. I'd never even heard of that until we started seeing it on like two thirds of the books we read. What yeah. the fuck is that? <laughs> Whatever that is, is apparently our taste. So um, it was also nominated for a Hugo Award for Best Novel. Didn't win, but it was nominated. So uh, wow. Uh, it's a book that is full of references to Polish culture and Polish fairy tales. And apparently it is also being uh, turned into a movie produced by Ellen DeGeneres. So hmm. there you go. So, uh, Elena, what the heck is this book about? All right. So there's this village, medieval times village, and it's in this valley that is really close to the wood, the evil old menacing wood that like tries to swallow people and villages and has lots of crazy creatures running around in it. And the valley is protected by an old wizard called the dragon. And every 10 years, he takes a girl as tribute. Um, and when she leaves, basically, she will leave. Like, when she leaves the service, she leaves the valley and never comes back. She sees her family, says goodbye, never returns. And so it's um, been going on for 100 years at this point uh, that he's been there in the valley taking tribute. And the protagonist of the book is um, in the same dragon year as a girl, uh, named kasha that everyone are we saying kasha or kasaya or Cassia? i say kasha yeah kasha okay um that everyone assumes is going to go to the dragon because she's so beautiful and so talented and so like everything a dragon lord would want and so the the main character of the book uh nishka is her nickname uh yeah Agni- agnieszka I agnieszka the- yes yeah, she, yeah. she had a very very Polish first name. It was beautiful on the page. I have no idea how to say it. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so she actually gets taken instead and to her, to her shock as much as everyone else's. And the wizard starts teaching her magic and um, it's pretty, pretty quickly. She figures out that that's actually not something he's ever done before with the other girls and that she um, is unique in that way. And I don't know, like because she's a, uh, a magic handler she starts getting involved with court politics and trying to defeat the great evil that is the blight at the heart of the wood so yeah it's yeah i mean it's it's a very fairy tale um kind of setting and kind of story it wasn't any fairy tale that i recognized although admittedly i can be bad at that um 
<laughs> I don't think I, I I didn't recognize it either, but I mean yeah. I recognized Baba Yaga. You know they referenced right, Baba yeah, Yaga. Like some, yeah, some of the figures and references were definitely there, but as an actual story, I didn't recognize it as a a play on a specific fairy tale. So if it was, maybe it's like a Polish one that's not known very much in the states. But yeah. Uh, so yes, our characters are Agnieszka or Neszka, um, her friend Kasia or Kasia, uh, if you don't, if you really want to be phonetic. And then, uh, then there's the dragon. His name is Sarkin, which you'd learn kind of far into the, into the story, which is a very dragony name, Sarkin. <laughs> uh, and then there's like the people in the village, like her parents. I love that. Like, you know, most fairy tales, like they leave and then it's like, fuck you parents. I don't care. But she always mm-hmm. like, she's thinking about her mom. She's got a relationship with her mom. Like she's at the end, like hanging out with her mom. Like I liked that. <laughs> yes. Like, she doesn't abandon. I mean, I guess that's the point, right? Is all the rest of the girls that are taken eventually are abandoned, abandoned the valley, but she never did. She, that was where mm-hmm. she gained her power. Yeah. Uh, so did you like this book or? Dude, like- I loved this book. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, okay. Thank you for suggesting it because I, it's been on my like Amazon wish list for a while, but one of one, maybe two of my friends gave me really mixed reviews on it. And I, I don't know if it was a miscalibration of my taste or if it was like them, you know, whoever it was like not liking something about it or maybe knowing too much about like. I don't know, fairy tales or Polish culture or something else that like made them lukewarm on it. But um, I fucking loved it. Like I, I've read it basically in one sitting and it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't put it down. It's weird because, you know, we d- we've just come off of a Robin McKinley book, you know, and mm-hmm. we read a very kind of like different Robin McKinley book to then to, you know, the, the majority of her work. But I feel like this, this book is very much of that type of fantasy novel, right? Like it's a, yes. the magic is kind of felt and described and based on like feeling and, <clears throat> excuse me, and it's not really about like the type of magic that I associate with things like Brandon Sanderson or like Dungeons and Dragons where it's like, this is how magic works. These are the rules. You can get good in this kind or this kind. You just combine this stuff. It was, you know, like all the magic in this book, everyone seems to have their own kind. Um, right and i don't know like a lot a lot of them have um specialties but like one general style that they all sort of use and then this girl's like uh off in on her own like completely separate path and so they don't know what to make of her she's like the nell of of the wizards of this world she just like comes out of nowhere no one understands what she's doing she's making it up as she goes along like half the time she's not even saying the words correctly in the spell (laughs) she's like i don't like that i'm gonna say it this way and it works yeah well yeah it's like it's funny because she's somewhat failing at like doing it all their way but then they give her like these obscure texts that no one else can use and she's like oh it's totally it's totally obvious you just do it like this and they're all like what did you just do and they take notes and like recreate it she's like no 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 don't do it exactly the same way i did because the circumstances have changed you're gonna fuck it up you're fucking it up you're fucking it up right now (laughs) so she has like this very intuitive like seeker like just sort of let the let the path like let let the pathway find itself almost mm-hmm. um uh, versus like this very like rigid set of like a b c d right e yeah she's very F. intuitive but i feel mm-hmm. also that it's it's not as if 
it's not as if magic exists in like one form in this world, right? And like if you learn right. a spell yeah. and you have an affinity, you do the spell and it works. It seems to be that the magic does flow through a person and it's up to them to be able to interpret it. And for and for whatever reason, Neshka is she she seems to create magic that that no one else even has or hasn't had mm-hmm. in a very long time because they they compare her a lot to Baba Yaga who is so usually I thought, and I'm not like super great on like Eastern European folklore, but I thought Baba Yaga was a villain. And um, the- it, I think it depends on the story and it depends on your perspective as to what's happening in the story. Right. Um, she is usually a transformational character. And she, if, if you ask her for a favor, her price is high, but she's fair. Like that. So that's the sort of part that she plays she might not be good but she's fair and so in that way she's not evil i think it's interesting because again like you know there's there's sarkin's magic right where she describes it as cold and like but also smoky and then sometimes hot but also like very precise and um Mm -hmm. it's it seems like more institutional or but he's also 150 years old i mean who knows what her magic's gonna look like in 150 years but it's it is the opposite of hers right and are they complementary or are they just different people because she meets some other wizards and everybody has like the um the the woman that makes all the swords uh what is her name alosha uh alosha seems to just kind of be like this like battle mage who just puts her magic into things and then solia who is like the court magician the court guy who he he also fights on the battlefield but his seems to be a lot more um based on like what looks really cool (laughs) like (laughs) like he does stuff that looks cool yeah or that he can um that he that he is is based on like what he can glean from things yeah although i think i think my main um inference that hers is something different was the the big wizard library in the capital where basically all of the books that she responded to um were taken off the shelves as useless which and and like the i guess the way that one guy did it where he said they have to they have to be like empirically proved like three different like spells have to actually work by anybody that casts them. Oh, right. You know, kind of He's like the scholarly so, guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was like his quote empirical standard, which to me says like most people probably think there is like one general way to do it. And so they look at, um, at Nishka and she, she struggles with their like simple what they consider like simple spells and they're like what are you doing but then she can cause an earthquake using like spells that they can't like even like blow a leaf Mm -hmm. with so right yeah i mean she's like pulling lightning from the sky and like it's like i when you first start reading it's like okay well maybe her magic is like nature based but she does some stuff Mm -hmm. that's pretty not natural like phasing through things and teleporting and yeah and yeah yeah like I, I had that thought most of the way through the book like is is hers just kind of drawing on life is it you know is she kind of like the um the plant girl you know or something like that uh <laughs> right is, is she the empress <laughs> is she the empress it keeps um, coming back to you doesn't it haha well no that you know that's my card so um <laughs> that that's why the empress keeps coming back to me um 
but but no like uh, there's definitely things that as, as she sort of grows in competence and knowledge and sort of starts coming into her own strength she can do like a lot more of the workings that the others can as well um so yeah it's it's in, it's hard to say like as a reader where she's gonna go yeah what the limitations her, of her magic yeah. are or what the or what she can and can't do i mean we know right. that she doesn't like necromancy like that was the one thing she was like not fucking with that nope mm-hmm uh so yeah uh so to get back to sarkin i love sarkin obviously i do because i have a thing for sad scary men in powers (laughs) (laughs) okay well gosh uh, sarkin was you you sent me a text at some point when you were like on your reread you're like i forgot how much i like him he's such a great dragon (laughs) and he is like he's like oh I mean, the entire first, like, three months she was there could have been avoided if he'd sat her down on the first day and, like, given her a fucking explanation. Nope. Instead of being like, <laughs> I've been locked in a tower for a hundred years and I don't remember what it's like to be a person and I don't really give a shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, it's because, like, you know, he's so prickly and he likes everything on his own terms and he's, like, weirdly private or at least holds himself emotionally away from other people. And... You know, I mean, he ha- he must have because for a hundred years he's been stealing people away, stealing girls. Why not boys? Why why does he need girls? Uh, right. What well, he's been stealing girls from the valley. He's like, oh, I just need their magic. I'm like, yeah, whatever. You're beasting hard. <laughs> like he is. He is. He's like, I'll just take this. I'll just take these girls, and I just need I just need to use them as a channel for the magic in the valley, so that I don't have to attach myself to this magic. I'll just use them. And that way I get to do everything on my own terms and I get to be the scary dragon and I never get stuck here. And also, but if that was true, he would just take anyone. He would take people who would live there who are old. He wouldn't take young, beautiful, accomplished girls every 10 years. And then when they get too old for his tastes, (laughs) ditch them and get a new one. Like, I see you, Sarkin. I know what you're doing. And finally it works because finally he got he got someone who was like on his level and who was also mm-hmm. a dis- enough of a disaster to forget that she should be afraid of him. Mm-hmm. And just like just fuck up his life, which is just great. Yeah, no, like I I really enjoyed um en- enjoyed like their dynamic just because it it happens really slowly over the course of the book where like they, she goes from like being afraid of him to just hating him to resenting yeah. him to like sort of accepting that there's a benefit to her to learning what he can teach her to actually sort of being friends with him to falling for him. It's like it's a very natural evolution. Um, and I I don't know. He was. Uh, like there were there was a couple of passages that just really made me laugh. Um or she like was picturing the future and she's like, you know, and I'm like haunting basically I haunt his tower and I like leave things not where they're <laughs> supposed to be just to make him like fuss and like yeah. get upset, but secretly I know he loves it. So. Yep. <laughs> well, I think he's been lonely for 150 years. So any interaction with anyone that's not you know, that he's of course going to be irritated by any of that. But she happens to just not mm-hmm. just be a regular person. She happens to be a disaster person who makes messes mm-hmm. and she's kind of slovenly and and just like always, you know, very klutzy and and 
so she she challenges him even more because he's not just putting up with the new mm-hmm. roommate. He's putting up with like the roommate that's like destroying the house, which is great. He deserves right. That. Well, uh, he's like he's very set in his ways and he's very prissy, which is is kind of funny because he is very powerful and he's certainly like doesn't lack courage. But he like he likes beautiful things and mm-hmm. he likes things done in a certain way mm-hmm. and like that's a very orderly way. Yep. And um, I love and that I, he's like, prissy. By the way, that's like my sh- <laughs> that's like my jam. That is so my jam. Like the the sort of dandy badass like oh it's my jam i love it anytime there's a character in books who like shows up who's like and then he shakes his cuffs or something and i'm like oh who's that hi hi how, oh, how are you <laughs> oh you have a you have a very neat waistcoat yeah and and clean uh clean sleeves yeah what's up <laughs> hey what's up <laughs> you can eat soup without getting getting your lace in the soup that's that's hot <laughs> Yeah. Well, I I actually appreciated that she wasn't like that, that it comes out over the course of the story that like something about the way her magic works, like it's like the magic like grabs for her. And so that's part of why she's so like such a walking disaster in terms of like always like attracting dirt and like smears and stuff is, you know, I think Kasha was describing like once I saw a tree actually like reach for you while we were walking through the woods, mm-hmm. you know, like so. You know, when she's, like, scrambling through the briars, like, oh, I'm sure there's some, like, blackberries in here somewhere that somebody didn't find. And she's, like, basically making the plant bloom while she does that. You know, like, you just kind of getting her hands dirty and you don't stay clean in that process. So I, I appreciated that it's kind of part of her magic, that, that sort of utter sort of Yeah, like, she's definitely much witchier than, like, like sorcerer, yeah. wizard Yes, she's exactly. A witch. Yeah. yeah. But just from the, yeah, from the perspective and... as a character that um, just just from the character perspective that she's not just that oblivious, like there's a reason for it, you know, like it's almost like happening to her as much as like she's, you know, controlling it by not caring. So, right, right. And I love in the epilogue where, you know, everything's gone down and, you know, she's gone on the adventure. She's gone to the capital. She's come back. Then her and Sark kind of face down the wood. And then mm-hmm. there's this weird little epilogue because, you know, feelings. So, uh-huh. you know, Sarkin's run away. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and Neshka's just kind of just dicking around in the woods. And the whole thing is like now she's friends with like the, with the walkers, which I uh, picture as kind of like giant um, praying mantis type like like stick bugs or something. Mm-hmm. So she's like hanging out with these like terrifying monsters and like picking up <laughs> fruit and gardening and just like wandering through the woods and like wandering so far that she doesn't even know where she is half the time and she lives in a Mm -hmm. hut that's made of moss i'm like no you're yoda you're yoda you are a disaster like there's no you don't live in a tower and sit on chairs and eat with a fork like that isn't a thing you do and like she's constantly just like grabbing food and shoving it into her mouth and like having to wipe it on her clothes and it's like you know she's like the opposite of him and yet it, it's one of those like opposite subtracts kind of romances you know mm-hmm. it's a little classic yeah well i also imagine when a when a woman can literally like call down lightning and raise an yeah. earthquake you're gonna look past that yeah well it's also like kind of cute like 
you know, she's like a she's almost fey in her like yeah. strange like disregard for protocol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, but- well, she she very very much reminded me actually of um, Rose from uh, the Winter Rose because it, you know it's the same dynamic like the I just I'm a basically a child of the woods and I would just want to be like outside in that like not confined not constrained and that's just what where I'm where I am that's where I'm supposed to be and um, I don't know I I always enjoy that sort of heroine because. For as much as I've, like, grown into prissiness as an adult, that was me as a child. I was, like, the fey little thing with, like, tangled hair and, like, Right, and she's only, <laughs> what, she's only, like, 18, right? I don't know what how old they are. 17, They're, right. Seven, 17, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, that's the perfect age to kind of still be... Mm-hmm. In that transition, anyway. Right. And I don't, I mean, I don't think, I think her transition is not to like a regal kind of sorceress. Her transition is to some sort of wood witch who's kind of scary, like a Baba Yaga figure who people, you know, legends will be told of her, but she was probably something much more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I want to talk about Kasha because. Yes. So one of the reasons that I I recommended this book was because we're on this weird fairy tale kick, but also we have started hitting kind of horror elements. And I found Mm -hmm. this book to be really creepy Mm -hmm. Um, just because, you know, trees are evil. Like that's scary to me, just like just to kind of invert the the, like the evil wood thing. Like Tolkien doesn't even do that. Mm -hmm. Like Fangorn was ended up being on the side of the good. You know what I mean? Like the the forest being scary scary is really scary to me and one of the first examples of this is kasha her friend who is the the best friend who is the beautiful girl who had been groomed her whole life to be taken by the dragon everyone knew because she was so pretty and accomplished so she learned how to cook and she learned how to you know be this person this offering and then she wasn't taken and she was sort of stuck right her the role that she had been groomed for didn't exist anymore and she ends up being taken by the wood early on in the story. And Neshka has to go and save her. But when she saves her and brings her back out of the woods, she has been, you know, Kasha's been changed. And she's sort of mm-hmm. a tree person now. Yeah. I feel so bad <clears throat> yeah, for because her. I, it, I think it's worth saying because it comes up so much in the book. Um, part of the horror of the wood is that it will, like, take people like the stick the the stick people that she's hanging out with at the end like they're they're these horror figures that will basically like steal people and they'll take them and they will bind them to one of these special like it's a certain species of tree um and the tree will enclose them like within it and basically feed on them and that's sort of change them them transmute them into something part of the wood yeah yeah like basically the tree is trying to absorb like their absorb them into itself um it like both physically and spiritually right and so kasha has not you know like spiritually she was saved she wasn't in there long enough they were able to like they did the summoning spell which is like a spell that everyone thought was nonsense but of course our heroine figures out how to use it and she needs to partner with with uh sarkin to do it which is like mm-hmm. you know the, the the beginning of I think I think the mingling of their mag- magic is sort of the beginning of the relationship that they have with each other because they work so well together even if on paper mm-hmm. they don't look great together, 
And yeah, it's sort of like one of those you can't like hide from the truth that if your magic's compatible, you're compatible. Right. And also the summoning spell. This is the interesting thing. So the summoning spell showed like no one knows what it does because it's one of those spells where as you read it, you forget what mm-hmm. you're what it's about. But for whatever reason, Neshka is able to understand it. She's like, no, it shows the truth. And for when you're faced with the truth, you're able to truly see and understand. And so that's how they were able to to both see where the people were in the wood because there's this kind of metaphysical, like, physical place and, like, you know, spiritual place that they had to, like, get people's souls out of, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. And then... You know, but so they're looking at the trees or looking at, you know, their friends are trying to like, you know, lead them out of the wood. But I'm like, well, what are they seeing about themselves? I mean, like sometimes they find out like when she's doing the, the spell on Kasha is like when they find out that they had both resented each other for the very qualities that they probably also loved about each other. Right. Like Kasha was mm-hmm. mad at her mother and her friends for kind of just being like, yeah, dragon's going to take you. You better get ready and not allowing her any other choices. And Neshka Mm -hmm. was mad because, you know, no one ever looked at her and thought she was anything special. Um, And yet I always wondered, well, what do you, what do Sarkin and her see? But I think that they are too locked up emotionally to admit that to each other. (laughs) (laughs) It must be part of the spell, right? To, to know each other in that way with the truth. I would think, or maybe maybe it's only something that like Nishka, Nishka's seeing um, because of her just weird like intuition in, into like relationship with that ki- type of magic. I don't know. Yeah, you know? yeah. We never get we never get Sarkin's uh, perspective. He's a he's laconic. I think is the word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love him so much. He's so good. There was not enough of him, quite frankly. Like the whole interlude <laughs> in the in the in the city with Prince and like I get it, plot, don't care. Like I was just kind of like, uh huh, all right, cool. And of course they don't believe you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the wood is there. Yeah. No, yes. I, I I got to that point and I was literally like, and now we're about to spend Act Two fruitlessly in this city, and he's <laughs> locked away in his tower. And <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm like, where's Starkin? Can we call Star? And then she does. She's like, is there a way I can talk to people? And they're like, no, that's not a thing. And then she's like, fuck it, I'm gonna do it anyway. <laughs> I thought of it, therefore I can do it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> She's like, I think I can actually. And here I am using my my magic so I can talk to him. <laughs> and he gets to the point what? where he sees her do shit that's impossible. And he's just like, of course, what? What do you need? What? 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 <laughs> I love that. That's, I think, one of my favorite things about him, though, is that he just, at some point, he does just recognize that about her and accept it. And then it's sort of like... Like, he still acts all mad, but really, it's just, like, you realize that's just who he is. Like, you interrupted him, and he's annoyed that you interrupted him, but, like, that's the only thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I feel that in my soul. I feel it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, friendship is work. Oh, but don't go. Hey. <laughs> All right. Well, since you already interrupted me, uh, fine. We'll talk. What's up? What's up? What's up? That was cool. That was cool. I I I don't know how to do that. That's cool. (laughs) Um, what do you think about like what do you think about the fact that Kasha is now some sort of weird superhuman who is kind of like part tree? 
Like she, um, she, I think it's fabulous because it gave her, it gave her the future that she actually wanted. Um, like Inanesca talked about this at one point where she's like, I only just, I was happy here. I only ever wanted to stay in this valley. And you know, Kasha had dreams of leaving. She wanted to see the world. She wanted more than this, and you know, she was suited for more than this. And so, in that sense, her becoming a tree actually like opened that future up to her. Um, because now she was like this weird kind of half fey creature herself, very obviously touched by magic, not someone anyone in that valley would touch with a 10 foot pole and wrapped up in the court politics of the, you know, two of the 10 most powerful wizards in the land. So yeah, um, she's she actually like a had the opportunity now. Yeah. Yeah. And, but yeah, by the end of the book, she's <laughs> like, um, she's Brienne of Tarth. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I still feel bad for her, though, because she seems to have part of what she's been transmuted. It seems she's much more suited now for violence. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's really part of her personality. Yeah. Um, or something that she would want for herself. I certainly don't think that's something that Agnieszka would want for her, for her friend to have to be a kind of a soldier, bodyguard, assassin, whatever she is now. Right. Yeah. Basically, like her her body has become almost impervious to human weapons. So she make whether she wants to be or not, she makes a very good soldier because nothing can actually hurt her. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel bad for her. I feel like that is kind of a lingering horror where it's like, yes, we saved her, mm-hmm. but she has been she has been changed. And, you know, <clears throat> sorry, people are letting off fireworks. Um, okay. Are you still there? Are you OK? <laughs> yeah, it's just fireworks. <laughs> um, no, it was Neshka. She's throwing things. I don't know. Uh, but no, I, like, I feel bad for her because, you know, like, she wanted to have adventures. I think she mm-hmm. wanted to experience life. I don't know if she's going to really get that. I mean, no one ever gets the life that they really want, right? But I don't know if she's going mm-hmm. to be able to do that because now she's tied to the prince. And, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I still think that that's like kind of a lingering horror for her that yeah. she... You know, and like she she loses her relationship with her mother because of mm-hmm. the summoning and... Yeah, it's sad. Well, I mean, there's also the um, the aspect that she spent, um, you know, she spent like a night and a day as a tree. And so she would have had um, she would have lost things that were part of her humanity and she would have gained like a perspective, um, you know, kind of like sunshine with her like dear self where like she has suddenly these things like flit into her like that are now part of her but weren't originally like hers um and so there's wisdom yeah but but i mean for good or bad like it's a it scars like in your mind and your soul you know of something that you went through which even if you can find a value to them or learn to accept them as part of yourself or like would never have been there if you hadn't gone through that and so in that way they're always a reminder of it mm-hmm. yeah i i think i think that she's also supposed to be kind of an echo of the queen or mm-hmm. i mean there's there's like two queens right there's like the queen there's the the 
the queen that they go in and rescue because the the crown prince and his brother really want her to be rescued so they go in and pull her out and she seems kind of like eh, iffy like uh, we don't know if the if the wood really got into her and mm-hmm. it turns out yeah the wood did get into her and she's been and she's a plant and it's a puppet and she's here to like spread terrible magic throughout the land and go to war against us but there's also the queen that Neshka kind of communes with via her visions of the past in mm-hmm. finding out that the wood is really from the anger of the sister of this queen that had was like a tree person. They were like tree mm-hmm. people and they came out of the woods and like she married the king and they built a tower and they seemed to have it a life. And then the king died. And when he died, she didn't have anyone protecting her anymore. And so the people around the king including someone who became king later so i don't know if that means that was her child or if it was just a rival um i i I feel like he was either a rival or a courtier or something because it talked about him being there at the wedding like he was okay a small child he was or maybe not a small child but he was a child in one of the boats that um nishka sees and maybe he was like yeah step kid or so he was already there at the wedding yeah um, so yeah, and then he betrays her, and they try to kill her, but she can't die because she's a tree person. And then, because of all of that, and she's injured, and all this other shit goes down. Then her sister, who was you know left in the wood, um, is sa- scared about that, sad about that, and also upset that the villagers kind of forgot about them and started coming in and harvesting mm-hmm. the trees because they all became trees and. It's like this whole, I I think it was supposed to be, or at least for me, it was like an echo of the relationship that Neshka had with Kasha, where it was like, here's someone Mm -hmm. that came in and I went out and I saved her and Mm -hmm. I brought her back out and I did all the things that the the queen's sister couldn't do. But the thing Mm -hmm. that the queen's sister could do was just be angry and like transmute that anger into this endless vengeful wood. Bloodlust. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, it, it must be an old concept to have that idea of the 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 scary woods, right? Like, mm-hmm. you go into the woods and you die there because that's where all the predators are. And and I mean, mm-hmm. to me, it's the nature is nice, you know. But I think that might be a modern perspective. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know. Like, I, I I just to go back to your earlier point, this is one of the best executed like horror woods that I've ever read. Like, because most, like, honestly, most fairy tale woods, like, you get in, like, the main character gets into them, and then it's like, oh, all these things that everyone told me to be afraid of, like, once you understand them, they're not that bad, you know? Right. Like, that, that that's a very common trope, that, like, the, the fear of the wood is just sort of, like, this cultural tradition that's passed down. Although, actually, to go back to uh, A Court of Thorns and Roses, this was, that was a very scary they would like you know the creatures that roamed around it and some of the horrors that you encountered the only difference is those were creatures that just lived in the wood this was the actual like wood itself i mean the the trees were called the heart trees and it was you know very much like controlled by this one specific heart tree that the the sister of the the queen who has kind of become the queen of the wood um controls and, and who like, then puppets the, the current queen it's a very yeah. complicated yeah. long long game <laughs> yeah there's a there's a lot of queens involved <laughs> everyone's a queen but i actually no thought regular. that the um, no one's regular in the story 
Yes. Um, I don't know. I actually thought that the uh, ending was really like satisfying and really beautiful. Um, and it uh, the basically the the because all of the tree people became trees, except for the one queen who had married the, the one woman who had married the human and become like a human queen, but she she didn't become human herself. And so when she finally got back to her people and found that they'd all gone to tree, like she couldn't get there herself. She didn't. She had forgotten how to turn. And how to like embrace the tree part of herself instead of the human aspect of herself, right, it's and like, so she... which is echoed by like the dragon taking girls away mm-hmm. from their valley and then changing them so much that they no longer fit in their valley and they have to leave. There's like a tragedy there. He was perpetuating the same thing. I don't know. It's it's, it's one of those um, concepts that basically the the heart of every conflict is a lack of empathy for the other side. And so, you know, the wood, the wood queen, like the wood has such an anger and a hatred for the humans who like locked her away, made her kin feel like they needed to become trees who then like other humans came in and started cutting them down, you know, because they didn't understand like, that's what her hatred derives from. And then the fear, um, you know, and the hatred of the humans toward the wood basically, comes from the fact that I mean, well okay it comes from the fact that she sends all these horrible things after them <laughs> but also <laughs> i mean that would, but but it takes somebody like N- nishka who can actually who's capable of sort of seeing beyond into like the the fact that this horror is based in grief rather you know yeah. like that that's under underlying the anger is grief and pain and actually respond to that um and not answer anger with more anger or hatred with more hatred. Yeah, I think that's that's really nicely um, shown in the la- in that kind of last epic sort. Well, not so epic, but it was a big battle, and because mm-hmm. it was Prince Merrick, right, who is the the son of the king, the son of the queen. He loved his mother. She'd been stuck in the woods for twenty years. He never gave up trying to find her. You know, and he thinks he has helped save her, right? Like he went into the mm-hmm. woods, they found her, they brought her out. He's proven that, well, he, for as far as they know, he's proven that she's not corrupted, that she's not a tool of the wood, and he just wants to like give her her life back. And mm-hmm. he, and he becomes a tool, and he and she uses his love for her to turn him against his own family. I mean, at the end, he's trying to kill his nephew and niece because he wants to be king. And Mm -hmm. it's just like, it's so sad. And then of course, at the very end, when all the soldiers that are left have stopped fighting, they just all kind of just become one team, right? Because they realize this, this was a stupid conflict. We were all victims. Yeah. It reminded me of the end of Wonder Woman, actually, where the, the, the Germans and the, her kind of little mini squad are like hugging each other at the end. I was like, Oh, I'm like, look, everyone realized that war is stupid. <laughs> like only everyone just understood and stopped lobbing fire arrows at each other. <laughs> it was nice. I mean, it was, a little naive, but it was nice. It was nice to think that, yes, of course they wouldn't hate each other, even though they were literally trying to kill each other and there were zombies and they thought that they <laughs> well, had... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that said, um, 
a lot of times the uh the i think the sort of soldiers in the trenches like do have that sort of camaraderie that like we're here because our officers are uh, told us to be here and our officers told us to be here because this was the orders they were given by some higher up in the government and we're all just you know a bunch of working stiffs and what the fuck like we'll try and... i mean because like i don't know if you've ever watched like the band of brothers but there there are like verified accounts of you know guys like in trenches going back and forth with the enemy side and actually like having moments of camaraderie and peace even though they are trying to kill each other but when you're not trying to kill each other what do you do like you're the same dudes just on opposite sides of a conflict that maybe you don't even believe in or you know don't really care about right right so it actually wasn't that much of of a stretch um for for me to see that because it then especially because it becomes like well we all survived so it's us against like <laughs> the wood <laughs> and when, when you have I mean, a common yeah, enemy and they, it's and they super to easy to band that, together that they had all been they'd all been tricked and yeah and they were all just very tired and willing to follow the two the two uh, the witch and and the sorcerer that seemed to know what the hell was going on <laughs> poor guys it's a lot of misinformation and like playing on people's like expectations and like emotions and not what's i mean Mm -hmm. i thought that that was very interesting because in a way that's kind of what nature does right like everyone Mm -hmm. every being every plant has evolved to take advantage of a situation for its own gain right like Right. Empathy empathy is considered one of those like higher order functions that like, you know, qualifies you as sentient and and I mean like there's examples of of animals being uh, exhibiting empathy like not not just humans do it, but it, right. it, it's 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 this weird like she's a nature witch, but the enemy is the wood, but then like also the solution seems to be like better understanding and like mm-hmm. acceptance. I mean, it, it was a very complicated conflict. It wasn't, it wasn't like, and there's the bad guy and you should go kill them. Like, right. And I think that makes the story a lot more beautiful. And obviously the language is so like descriptive. I actually put a note in, um, that says like there's no like there's not really any dialogue in this book like there's a few conversations okay so yeah your your note was what's up with that um here's my take on that this is a it's a throwback style of book it's um it really is like hearkening back to like um high fantasy fairy like for one thing like most fairy tales have very little dialogue it's just description 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 and then here and there it'll be like blah 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 blah, he said you know Mm -hmm. but that's it um but also if you look at um like a lot of fantasy from the 80s and 90s uh it has that it's a very deep point of view but it's also in some ways a very um it's like a limited omniscient where it sees almost from a bird's eye view although you can like get the thoughts of the character that you're sort of following but it doesn't necessarily give you every scene play by play it's sort of like a I don't know, like it just to me this felt very much like um the kind of books I was reading when I was in junior high and there's that kind of like slightly old school epic fairy tale fantasy kind of fusion. Mm-hmm. Um so I I thought that that was intentional on her part that uh that it's not written as a modern book. It's much more like um a traditional fairy tale or like 
you know, the books that, because I looked at her picture, she's our age, like the books that she grew up reading, like the Robin McKinley's. Um, honestly, there's a lot of Sharon Shin. Um, I mean, she started, she started in like the mid nineties, but this had the feel of, especially like early, um, Sharon Shin as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, it seemed like, I felt like I was reading, I mean, obviously not, not a script, but I felt like I was reading a horror movie because you Mm -hmm. know how in like horror movies, there's a lot of setup at the beginning people. That's when the people talk, that's when you get everyone's personalities. And then it's just Mm -hmm. kind of like action, 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 action. And then at the end, everything's kind of like, and the sun comes out. Like, that's how it felt for me that I was, I was reading a horror, like a horror movie. Yeah. Because it wasn't, it was, it didn't focus, it focused a lot on, on how she felt and the terrifying things she was seeing and less Mm on, on conversations and like i mean even her and starkin's were like relationship it's like at the end is kind of like i'm taking it a little bit for granted that they even like each other right <laughs> i mean there is a scene of consent so we know that they're both into it but it's kind of almost so like well but why like why because your magic goes good together or like what about each other do you even like <laughs> <laughs> right besides his hands we know she's obsessed with his hands <laughs> Well, come on, everybody! Everybody wants a wizard because they have those um, long, dexterous. Uh, what's the what's the word um, that has to do with hands? Uh, it'll come to me like two two minutes after we hang up. Whatever. There's there's a <laughs> there's a word, and Paula Volsky was the writer that introduced me to it about hands and how they weave and when you're doing wizarding shit and it's amazing. It's the best word ever. Well, he's got him. Um, he's got. That those, he's got him for sure. He's got those hands. <laughs> She's always thinking about his dumb hands. <laughs> oh, look, dude. Uh, man has sexy hands. Man has sexy hands. Like. He's got sexy hands, and I mean, I, I, I imagine him with like a very like with like all the buttons on his coat all the way up to the throat, and some <laughs> lace, and like pants and boots. So like his hands and his pinched face. That's all she's got, right? It's almost like Snapey. But like <laughs> hot, like a little less swoop, but yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> much less swoop. <laughs> like a little, yeah, no capes. Like Sarkin is not a cape man. He's <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was all the Falcon. <laughs> yes, he's like a he's a he's an embroidered jacket man. <laughs> he's got lots of embroidered dragons on everything i'm like oh i i see your ego there it is there you okay are. so can we talk about how amazing the moment was in the wizard and call where she's supposed to like she's they've <laughs> confirmed she's a witch and like they're like okay the power the, the power the, the powers that be are going to give you your witch name and your witch identity because they're all like the owl the willow the yeah, sword you know the dragon and so they all have like these names of power that like like she talks about once she's kind of awoken to magic like just seeing the name sarkin or saying it like sort of like whiffs of magic like and smoke drift from it and the same with the falcon's name whatever his name was you know like they all have these kind of witchy p- power names and like instead she gets like this bell ring and they're, they're all like what the fuck that was supposed to be your name it's supposed to tell us who you are and she's like there's nothing wrong with the name i have there's nothing wrong with the name i have <laughs> She's such a working class stiff, man. She's like yes. community college witch. She's community college witch talking to like all these Ivy League wizards. Like she's like, oh, I don't know. You know who she was? She was fucking Goodwill Hunting. Like she's the Goodwill Hunting of the sorcerers. Yes. <laughs> like no joke. Goodwill- <laughs> 
Here, let me solve this equation that you guys like. (laughs) I just, you know, casually solved this unsolvable mathematical equation. This text that that no one's been able to interpret for 400 years. You just (laughs) do it. I mean, mean, it just, I mean, spells just got working. They just kind of talk to me. Oh, she's a savant. Uh, She's like a weird savant. (laughs) Yes. Um. <laughs> I just love that. I love Sarkin rolling up to be like, what pretty maid can I fill my apartment with now that I can stare at and be weird with? And instead he's like, oh shit, this one's got magic. The one covered in shit has got magic, so I have to take this one. <laughs> yeah, because there's a, it's actually a law in the land that if a wizard or sorcerer or whatever discovers somebody that has magic, they have to take him as an apprentice. Um, so he doesn't have a choice. Like when he realizes she has magic, he has to take her, um, whatever his, uh, his thoughts on the matter. Um, He's such a creep. He's such a creep. He's going down uh, there, putting his hands on their faces, seeing how hot they are. And he's just... <laughs> Well, how great were the notes that the last girl left? And she's like, yeah. if you get if you put the, if you get his meals ready five minutes before he comes to the library, you never have to see him. And then like the note in the mending drawer, because like what else is some poor village girl gonna do except like see to her mending? Oh, he just wants you to look pretty and like he just wants a little human contact on his terms. So go, you know, look pretty and sing him a song every night and like he'll let you alone the rest of the time. Well, right. That's the idea, right? At the very beginning, it's a lot of like, everyone knows that he takes them and he rapes them and like they're Mm -hmm. deflowered and no one wants them. And then they also read a lot and they become weird and they don't want to be here anymore. And so like, that's what everybody just, (laughs) they become too good for this valley. And then of course she tells him that like later on, she's like, (laughs) he's like, you guys, he's like, what? You you think I fucking rape all these people? (laughs) She's like, well, yeah, you only take girls. You keep them for 10 years. Like, of course you do. And he's like, he, and of course, I feel like he, in his head, he's like, why didn't I do that? (laughs) Wait, I could have done that. I could have done that. (laughs) No, because he's actually a decent person. He's just selfish. So he's trying to keep the wood back by using the tools at hand. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, when he takes these girls after about 10 years, the magic that they have isn't good for him anymore because he's used it up. But he doesn't well, not that he explain that, that to anyone. It's it's that their their roots have have died. Basically, that right. they've been you know uprooted for so long that they no longer have a, a tie to that valley, and so he no longer has a channel to that magic. Right, right. And he he could have just explained that to people. Well, like, right. Well, that this that's the thing I was saying earlier. Is like, is it? He, um, well, all of the sorcerers, though, because every single one of them has this perspective that they've been alive so long, they've, they've basically, they've forgotten their humanity, they've forgotten what it yeah. means to love, probably because it becomes so painful if everyone, like, after you watch your, your family, and then the next generation of your family, like, grow old and die, and you're still the same, like, why wouldn't you kind of start cutting yourself off? Because it does become painful to hold on to, to that side of your humanity, um, but at the same time, when you lose that, like, you sort of, you lose your humanity. And that's something that she chastises all of them for. It's like, well, you're just, like, you fuckers are talking about wholesale slaughter of, you know, 2,000 people. Like, it's nothing. What the fuck is wrong with you? They all have families. Mm-hmm. They all matter. And they're like, oh, child, just wait till you've been here a hundred years. You won't feel this way. 
Right, but and she doesn't. She puts herself amongst the people. She's in the woods. She's well, helping no. people. She's helping them farm. Right, but I'm, like... I, but I'm saying that's why he doesn't think to explain any of this. Aside from the fact right. that like he was an orphan, he was basically taken straight into like magic. Oh, from, that from the street. little sad. Th- okay, so <laughs> when he does that, by the way. She's like, they're having, he's like, oh, what? No, I was an orphan. I was three. I was on the street. I don't know who my parents are, but it's fine. I don't care. And I'm like, whoa, dude. <laughs> right? Yeah, I get why you, you lock yourself in a tower. <laughs> uh-huh. I get why you lock yourself in a tower and just pick all the prettiest girls and hope one of them falls in love with you. Like, I, I see you. Like, yeah, so here's a question, just... Rachel. Is this the 153-year-old virgin? No, he can't possibly be. He knew what he was doing. <laughs> I mean, well, he did talk about, you know, how when he was younger, he knew he was like an attractive person. And, could, and he like, had a lover. Make, yeah. And make a good impression with his magic. Um, and he got used but, by that you know. one, that one noble lady to use his magic to save her husband. I mean, that is some shit right there. I'm like, okay, you've been abused. Yeah. Like, I get why you decided to give up on all of it. And lock yourself away in a tower. I get it. I just think it's hilarious that, like, so, like, they do the magic, and then they have, like, their whole, like, first, like, make-out session. And, <laughs> well, like, they go straight to third base. It's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, then suddenly he's like, whoa! Like, what the fuck is... No, no, we're not doing this. This isn't a thing that's happening. <laughs> and you're like, well, shit. And then she spends kind of the next half of the book being, like, sigh. <laughs> and... <laughs> And then when they're finally, like, reunited, and it's, like, the night before the battle, and it's, like, yes, this is it. This is the time. And she, like, finds his bedroom, which is hilarious because she has to go on, like, a mini quest down the hall to get through the magic, to fight the dragon, to get into his bedroom. And then he's got this sad little <laughs> twin bed, right? His little twin bed. And one and one and, chair in the room, like, very one explicitly. Chair. One chair. One chair. <laughs> one whole chair. And then she's just like, hey, we're going to do it. And he's like, excuse you? She's like, I'm sorry, do you want me to leave? And he's like, no. (laughs) That's right. You guys like each other. But yeah, because he says something like, I'm like 150 years older than you. And she's like, you're stupid. (laughs) Be quiet. Be quiet. This is dumb. You tell me some more stories about your orphan childhood on the streets? No? Okay, shut up. <laughs> Look, I overheard Kasha asking my mom, my mom, what was going to happen if uh, if you wanted conjugal rights? Okay, I've got this. I've got this. <laughs> We're going to do this. But see, no, but that's why I'm like, but he he knows what he's doing. It's all good scene. Um. What are some other characters that we didn't... I mean, we went over... Like, the kids were okay. I kind of don't... I was like, all right, I get it. Like, there, she keeps killing all these people, so there has to be a future for the kingdom. So she's got the, the prince and his little sister. It's always, like, these sibling-type relationships that keep cropping up. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, Father... We talked about a little bit about Father Balo, who was the the kind of scholarly wizard in the capital who ends up being turned into like some sort of horrible monster that she's tr- that she kills with lightning mm-hmm. he was the li- the one who purged the library of all the useless texts yes um and we talked about her mother and yeah so that's everybody like who is what, what's your favorite part like what's favorite character 
Hmm. I mean, we know that I like Sarkin, so like that's easy. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I oh gosh, I don't I don't know that I have um, I don't know that I have a favorite that I have a favorite part. Like I just I just liked all of it so much. Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't like a huge fan of the the interlude in the city. Like, I understood, like it, it's yeah. it's all the background that you needed to like understand the conflict with the wood and everything. But I'm yeah, I'm like a I'm basic. I'm I'm always just like, well, I like the parts where they're all talking and they're falling in love. <laughs> um, I mean, that, yeah, the city was probably my not so favorite part. Um, honestly, I, I think I think the wood itself is maybe yeah um, that whole my last favorite part, part just because that was. Yeah. And also the first conflict when she's taking when they're going with Prince Merrick to get the queen out and they're fighting mm-hmm. like all the terrible monsters and like people are turning to stone and people, you know, like that that mm-hmm. was so scary. And she ups the ante like over and over mm-hmm. and over again. Like you think that they've fought something really scary and yet without it getting like ridiculous like, you know, it it still maintains that that really creepy, scary horror factor mm-hmm. all the way through, all the way through, yeah. even at the end where it's like, eh, the wood is still there. It's just sleeping. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think um, I think it, it's why it's why the the epilogue is so important, though, because that's. Um, that's basically her going through the forest and like tree by tree, like purging the the evil out mm-hmm. and like any trees that can't be sort of put into like peaceful dreaming, like she burns. And um, so, you know, it might take her the rest of her life, but eventually she's going to clear that forest of the badness, you know, Um mm-hmm. Because well, now- and also it seems like she's going to become a tree someday. Like mm-hmm. she's been eating the fruit well, from you know. the trees, and Sarkin thinks that's like gross. He's like, "Oh my god, what are you doing?" She's like, eh, "It's good." And he's like, "You're they're gonna turn you into a tree." And she's like, "I don't want to be a tree yet." Like, yeah, that that yet's very important. Like, don't worry, Sarkin. You're, it'll, it'll be a hundred years after you die. I'll be like, "Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to be a tree." I'm ready to sleep. To, to sleep right. Long well, that sleep means that she's a... going to join the wood. That's yeah. Well, and, isn't and that I mean, the she's... wood's ultimate goal was to get someone as powerful as her? I mean, like I understand that she's purging the wood of like the bad feelings, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that the queen and her sister aren't still there. They're like they're still there. The... Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a potential. There's a potential for the wood to regress, to have a nightmare, to. For mm-hmm. something other, you know, like if the villagers decide, if, decide, hey, you know, the wood's not that scary anymore. Let's go in and kill all the walkers or let's start cutting down those trees. Like they could make an enemy of of Neshka. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah. there, the potential for something else to happen. That's why I felt like it was that horror movie, because at the end it was like they they were safe, but it wasn't over. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's how you want to read it. Like you can read it as as being over or you can read it as being a dot 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 right well i'm glad that you enjoyed it been- i it was between this and another book that you're still gonna have to read but i'll wait until it gets colder out yeah no that's that's fine um i'm really like 
I'm really glad that um, that you recommended this one because, again, like I'd sort of been sitting on the on the fence about it um, and hadn't had a an impetus to pick it up, but I'm so glad that I did read it because um, it just it, it pushed all of my buttons. Like in terms of like it's dark but not hopeless, and it's you know got enough of a love story but so much else going on that oh, you don't yeah. feel like it's trashy and it's like definitely got like a fairy tale vibe but again at least to me it was like really original it's well written um i don't know it just it, it pushed written. all of my yeah. buttons yeah yeah i'm, glad I'm you trying to think it. like um yeah uh there, there wasn't any particular like one single passage that i saw that i needed to um to read but we should we should read something if we're talking about how well it's written <laughs> i don't know do you have one that um that you want to bring in yeah i have one okay so this okay. is when they're starting to do the illusion spell she's uh, it says a month into my new training he was glaring at me while i struggled to make an illusion of a flower i don't understand i said whined if i tell the truth it was abs it was absurdly difficult my first three attempts had looked like they were made of cotton rags. Now I had managed to put together a tolerably convincing wild rose, as long as you didn't try to smell it. It's far easier just to grow a flower. Why would anyone bother? It's a matter of scale, he said. I assure you, it is considerably easier to produce the illusion of an army than the real thing. How is that even working? He burst out, as he sometimes did when pressed past his limits by the obvious dreadfulness of my magic. You aren't maintaining the spell at all. No chanting, no gestures. I'm still giving it magic. A great deal of magic, I added unhappily. And then they have a little bit of back and forth. And he decides to join into her, into her illusion. And he says, try and match it, he said absently, his fingers moving slightly. And by lurching steps, we brought our illusions closer together until it was nearly impossible to tell them one from the other. And then he said... Ah, suddenly, just as I began to glimpse his spell, almost exactly like the strange clockwork on the middle of his table, all shining moving parts. On an impulse, I tried to align our workings. I envisioned his like the water wheel of a mill, and mine the rushing stream driving around it. What are you, he began, and then abruptly we had only a single rose, and it began to grow. Uh, like I just love the, the weird kind of... <laughs> like way that she annoys him with his magic and and like the, the the just the kind of dumb stuff that they do that ends up coming back like they're able like mm -hmm. she does this rose thing and it kind of means nothing but she uses the spell later on to be able to contact him across a vast distance to recreate the illusion that they're both in the same place um mm -hmm. and you know that's always great when you when you see an author set something up and then you know it comes back around later and you're like oh i understand i know what you were doing that's great you know it's 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 world building it's great yeah well it's also um it's it's not the same as foreshadowing because it's not that blatant but it's just the um it well it's planting a seed and then like giving it space and you know letting it grow i don't yeah. know um but it definitely is it's it's none of the, oh, there's a spell for that, you know, kind of like that you sometimes get toward the end of 
like some of the Harry Potter books where it's just like, <laughs> oh yeah, there's a spell for that. Oh hey, check out, there's a spell for that. You know, right? But this just, is like so much before, more layered, but, right? Like, because she's not just yeah, like she, she's she not makes just a, using magic. She's evoking an emotional moment. You know, right? It's a part where they're they've they've been apart, and we want them to be back together. And so we've been thinking as the reader, we've been thinking of that moment where they mingled their magic for the first mm-hmm. time, and it worked. And like you know, I mean, it's just mm-hmm. this great layered device to just be like, ding ding, you know, everything's coming exactly. together. Yeah. Well, I mean the the whole like the, like they they work the illusions several times, and it's almost like this um, gauge of how they're comfort level or trust in each other is progressing like the the more they can do like every time they yeah. work this yeah it, no it's, it's definitely it, it's subtly done it's it's serving both the emotional narrative and the um like plot narrative of hey here's here's a way we can connect them you know or, well or there's give also that idea where like you know to go back to the summoning that was a that was Mm -hmm. like a random spell that no one knew really how to work and she figured out how to work she figured out that you needed two people because you needed to share the truth otherwise it didn't matter and it becomes a spell that she they have to do together but then at Mm -hmm. the end when she's taken when nushka's taken by the wood sarkin has to work that spell on his own and i think that's a great I mean, it happens completely off screen, right? Because Neshko's in the right. tree and everything's from her point of view. But then we see that the summoning is happening and he's taking her out of the tree. And it's like, oh, my God, what did he have to go through to be able to make himself do a spell that he, one, didn't believe could be done at all? He didn't know how to do it. And mm-hmm. then learned that he had to do it with a partner. Like, And then, like, the last time they do it, like, they've actually lost the spell book. And, and, like, this dude is totally by the book. So, like, he's reliant on her sort of intuiting her way through it and saying, okay, here's the melody. You do it with me. Here's the next piece. Do it with me. So, like, at the end, he's he doesn't have a rule book anymore. He doesn't have a partner anymore. Yeah. (laughs) And he he must have had to intuit his way through it. Like, he had to grow as a person. Like... And he, you know, and you know that he did it because he loves her and he wanted to save her. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. I mean, the the Sarkin at the beginning of the book would have been like, well, she's lost. (laughs) Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. You know, that's like some of those great scenes where, you know, as a reader, you're like, well, I need fan art of that immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Someone please draw that so I can look at it. (laughs) Amen. Uh, emotions well, feelings all the, all the good all the book second. noises uh like i i yeah. i literally i finished this book and i was just like my my the one note that i wrote was good book noises uh-huh. <laughs> it, just, it made me so happy i'm so glad that um, you liked it yeah yeah so i i don't know i i don't feel like i have anything else to say do you have anything else you need to say about no. this book i'm i'm i think oh, everyone actually i do haven't i do have one question um because you said that you said at some point during your reread that you were enjoying it more than you expected. So was there like, was there for you a difference between the first read and the second read here? Yeah, there was actually, I think I got, I think I fell into the language a little bit more in the second read. Um, Mm -hmm. I enjoyed all of those details. Um, I know the first time I read it, I didn't care at all about Merrick and like his struggle, but the second time I read it, I kind of realized how, like how tragic that was, you know, his whole arc was and, everything he was doing is for his mother and like it ended up killing him and 
I don't know. I just felt I, I felt that that was like really pretty as well. And mm-hmm. I, I, I appreciated the language more the second time around. Okay. So what are you going to make me read? <laughs> okay. Well, um, I'm going to give you a choice the same way you gave me a choice. Yay, choices. Um, like what, what I was originally thinking was, because Sunshine sort of, you know, woke me up to um, urban fantasy. I was thinking mm-hmm. about having you read um, my favorite urban fantasy, which is called A Madness of Angels. Um, it's just, I don't know, it, it's it's the one urban fantasy I've ever read that is about the magic of cities um, and like cityscapes as opposed to being like, it takes place in a city and has magic. Um, mm-hmm. But reading this, I kind of feel like maybe we should stick to the fairy tales um, and like the or sort of fairy tale esque stories for a little bit longer um, because I have one more that I I do really want you to read. Um, it's by an author from Australia, and while it does draw heavily from like traditional fairy tale lore, it has like this really interesting infusion of like outback setting that is not like other fairy tales I've read. So uh, up to you, which you read. I'm gonna make you read both at some point, but what do you want to read next? Which one has the most uptight love interest? <laughs> oh, to- total. Okay. Uh, the urban fantasy, no love interest. The uh, the outback fairy tale, total love story. Well, I'm a sucker for the love stories. You know that. <laughs> okay. Well, then, in that case, your next book will be um, A Thief with No Shadow by Emily G. All right. Cool. I hope I like it. <laughs> I hope you do too because holy shit it's one of my favorite books <laughs> so oh, A Thief with No Shadow yes I don't think I've ever heard of this book before so this will be fun yeah um, I hope I hope so it'll be fun for me I hope it's fun for you <laughs> I'm I'm sure I'm sure it'll be it'll be fine although it could are you you could be finally like taking revenge on the on no. the terrible <laughs> No, like seriously, if you liked Uprooted, I, I'm 99% sure you will like this book. Okay. Cool, <laughs> cool. All right, well, I will talk to you next time about The Thief with No Shadow. All right, sounds good. Read this fucking book. Yay. All right, <laughs> bye. Bye. Bye.